This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good morning. Time for another edition of our favorite segment for you and me and so many of, obviously, according to how many people listen and download our favorite segment, Thursday Coast, with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, host of the podcast, The Brief, and the founder of Civics with a Q. He told us last week about some new things Civics is going to be doing. Can't wait to hear about that. Welcome back, Marcos. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Thank you so much. Good to have you. Uh, you have written um, in the past few hours about what's taking place at Daily Coast. Some mm-hmm. changes are being made. The market is changing, is it not? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough time to be in media. Obviously, you know this, Mark. You, you heard of me in media. <laughs> we. We all know this, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's you know it's so heavy and hard and difficult that sometimes I, um, that's the only way to sort of relieve some of that pressure. And and yeah, you have to laugh uh, you from crying. Oh my freaking god! Yeah, it ain't what it used to be, y'all. So there, there's there's kind of two realities. You know, daily because I mean the the bottom line is we have to we have to downsize our staff by about twenty percent, hitting all parts of the of the company. Um. Frickin' sucks. Nobody's happy. Nobody wanted to do this. But two sort of factors have 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 sort of conspired to make this to make this um inevitable. One is Trump was good for media. And it was really good. I mean, this is why the media covered him 24-7, right? He was good for ratings. He was he brought in money. He's so freaking horrible that people can't stop looking at the train wreck. And so, and that was definitely the case for progressive media, progressive organizations. I mean, top to bottom, you look at every, you know, whether it's media, whether it's an advocacy group, times financially, Trump years were good. It was a good time to to build. And so- Ratings. 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 
for for the media ratings. But if you're a progressive organization, people were scared, right? I mean, they 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 engaged in the fight like progressives have never engaged in the fight, and that's why we won in 2018 and 2020, and even by extension last year. You know, this this is all part of that sort of Trump fueled panic that that he created. But the thing is, once he once Joe Biden won and Democrats had control control of Congress even with cinema in mansion, people were able to relax a little. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that it was unsustainable, Mark. I mean, I you, most of us were up, what, doom scrolling at two in the morning, you know, through the weekends. That was not healthy for us as individuals. It was not healthy for us as a country. It was very healthy for media organizations that depended on that, on that attention and, and money. So, that 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 was a thing. So across the board, we've seen a thirty percent drop in in traffic in media and social media, all of them except for TikTok. So it's not this not just partisan media. This is CNN, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's it's Washington Post, New York Times. Everybody has seen a thirty percent drop in traffic and engagement, and that's sort of this hangover, what I call the the Trump hangover. So. That was part of it. But I got to say, we knew this. This this was not a big surprise. We planned for it, right? So we expected to have a a um a little bit of a of a loss last year, but we built a rainy day fund. You know, we we know that our business since we you know, we we rise and fall according to the election cycle. We know it's cyclical, right? So we 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 can smooth that out. We have the 2024 presidential election gearing up. McCarthy is is you know his his you know the the asylum in the house you know that that is going to generate a lot of interest and attention and and engagement so we thought okay we'll we'll take a loss and and that's fine because 2024 is going to is going to it's going to rebound but what happened is is that a big part of our business is email and email fundraising and Mark, I don't know your email inbox looks like, but everybody's, at least mine and everybody I talk to, it is an absolute disaster, right? It's just dozens of, of campaign solicitations, unsolicited. And, and, uh, and there, there's been this rise of these new email brokers that what they do is they buy emails from losing campaigns who are just trying to pay their bills. And then they've amassed over time these email lists that are tens of millions large. And they sell those to campaigns for peanuts. For, for... And so that one, it is, it's harmed our own email fundraising efforts. But two, it's people are less likely to donate. Their email inboxes are, are full and uh, overwhelmed. And people are turned off and angry at the endless solicitations. And this is, again, systemic. The entire progressive campaign ecosystem is suffering. Their emails aren't as effective because these brokers have broken it. It's a tragedy of the commons, right? And what that means is that not only, um, well, I mean, what that means is that we came in, we lost, we lost, we came in two and a half million dollars under where we expected to be because of this dramatic shift in email fundraising. And so two of our, our big revenue prongs, email fundraising and advertising, took hits, particularly the email fundraising. 
Our third prong is con uh, community contributions. And that remain, we kept that, you know, that remains strong, but it's just not enough to make up losing a third of our revenue, basically. That's what gets us here. And I, I think it's, 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 I mean, it's a stomach, right? Everybody, we're seeing layoffs everywhere. Media is being decimated. Um, people don't support media in the way they support other things for, for better or for worse. We don't want to put up a paywall. The ones that are surviving right now put up paywalls. I mean, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, uh, Washington Post, I think, has their paywall up now. So we definitely don't want to go there. Our job is to fight for progressive change and to get people engaged in the fight and creating a financial barrier to participation would literally undermine everything that we stand for. That means that we just have to adjust our staff to accommodate this new revenue reality in it. Frickin' sucks, and it's the worst thing I've ever had to do. But it's either we do that now or we do it later, and we have to cut even more of the company, right? It's just a, the, the brutal, depressing math that we're facing. In, in, in this shrinking media environment, and, and I'm glad we're talking about this, I don't do a paywall for anything I do. And I've been encouraged and advised to do so. Just can't do it. I've been doing. I've been doing journalism for over 30 years and I, I haven't figured out a way to get people. I may, I may have to, I don't know, but uh, uh, is that something we're going to have to think about though, Marcos, as things move forward? Because, and then what I, let me say this, you know, we all act based on our own experiences. I don't know anybody who pays for the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. I don't know anybody who does it. As a matter of fact, most people I know who get information or articles from there, get it some other kind of way. And they mm -hmm. do whatever, they use whatever workaround. Plus, Daily Coast, Make It Plain, uh, uh, outfits like ours are supposed to be providing an alternative, a more objective alternative to what the Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal are providing. And we don't want to be like them either. Um, yeah. So, you know, what sets, how are we set apart if we start asking people to pay. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I can't get around the, the economics or the math of giving something away free for decades. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I want you to pay for it. And it goes for me too. Nobody's ever paid for my show. When was I, I was on satellite radio, people had a satellite radio subscription. I guess it's like cable, but that's mm -hmm. different to pay. If, if, if we have to subscribe to every individual, unique and respective source of information, how do you pick and choose that? Who's left? It just gets to be, and everybody's paying ten dollars a month, which ends up being even more money for everything. So, yep. what, yeah, what, it's what it's, it, it's the Substack model, right? Where some people are trying to strike out on Substack and have, you know, and have a subscription model there. People paying three bucks a month or six bucks a month for for their writing, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly sustainable. I, I mean, a few people will make it work like anywhere else. You have a few that that rise to the top and whether it's luck, skill, talent, all of the above um, are able to make a go of it. But it's not a sustainable model writ large. So to me, what I mean, at Daily Coast, we, we, we can do it like Daily Coast, given contributor support, given given uh, what email fundraising we still have. It's not 100 percent gone. Right. But it's it's just damaged. Um, and, uh, and, uh, advertising, we can have a decent site. We just can't maintain the size we did. We were at, we were at 90 plus employees 
which was sustainable when we had those revenue streams in full in full swing and and Trump years, you know, good times have passed, right? And so we have to we have to adjust. It just it just makes it hard to to maintain a certain level. And uh, and you know what sucks is that people are people people are impacted. That's the part. It, I wish it was just a spreadsheet. We just cross a few you know columns out and like you know it's good to go and um not that easy but that said i think daily cuz is in a in a in a place where where um we at least have some established revenue sources a lot of progressive media does not and we saw this with the decimation of the of the liberal blogosphere back in the day because conservatives they they will that's the answer mark i mean the answer you want the answer is is our big donors don't fund media they don't think it's important or they think that the new york times and npr are liberal media and they are not liberal media conservatives will never stop funding the next media organization you think they have it all oh, they already have fox news and they already have am radio and they already have the washington examiner and the national review and the weekly standard Oh, but why not? Let's add Ben Shapiro to the pile. Let's add, you know, let's um, the Daily Caller to the pile. I mean, there, there's Newsmax, ONN. Like, there's always the net. They're always adding and creating uh, conservative media. And we certainly don't see that on our side. Um, Daily Coast certainly hasn't. And um, it's a major failing in the progressive ecosystem. And I think a lot of it is just this whole perception that that the New York Times is liberal. So therefore we don't need we don't need uh, partisan media. And it's 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 a miscalculation that kind of screws up because we we see the impact that their media ecosystem has on the political process. We see it. Everybody sees it. And and that's one of the, the failings of our side. Because the right got it. They financed their media. They sustain it. You're right. Uh, that's just something we didn't do. We, we know the history of Air America, the myriad of, of startups I was involved in to bring progressive uh, uh, radio to the airways to compete with the likes of Rush Limbaugh, never got off the ground. Um, and, and other than Al Franken having his own show now, just even in terms of, of the party and his leadership, um, it's almost impossible. And I bet this is true for your reporters at Daily Coast. It is practically impossible for a progressive media outlet to arrange, schedule, and host an interview with a Democratic U.S. Senator. It is almost yeah. impossible. Because, because now, the other side, they send their people out. They get it. Mm. I'm going to go on Fox. I'm going to go on Newsman. I'm going to go on these other things. Yep. But, oh, you know, and I've, got, I've, even, I've been invited to, to meetings with Senate staffs, with the Senate in the room. Oh, it's so good to see you, Senator. So, Reverend Thompson. Oh, we love you won't appear on mm -hmm. on to have a conversation so it's not just the money it's the lack of prioritization of our, now yeah. you now we can you know uh uh the um uh, net roots nation you, know, you get people to come that once a year thing that's fine mm -hmm. i'm not knocking people who organize that i'm not people to, that that's an accomplishment but you know when was the last time uh, uh, there was a direct quote from a u.s senator on the part of a journalist in Daily Coast, on this show, anywhere else. So we just don't support it like we should. I, I just want to put that out there. Now, mm -hmm. um, you're right, it is unfortunate. And, and folks, you know, um, this is the landscape. This is what we're dealing with. But continue to support 
Daily Coast and, and all of us other folk out there who are trying to do that. We're not, we're just two on here right now. There are many others. Yeah, I want to make sure I mean, that's clear. This is not woe is me and, and woe is us. This is, this is yeah. if you value uh, uh, progressive media, support the, the outlets that you, that you frequent. And I don't, it's not Daily Coast, whatever, I don't care, right? Whoever it is, uh, like Mark, like support that and, and make it so that, that we can stay, you know, we can do the work that we're doing. And so, um, that's the, that's, it, it's a slog in the media business in the best of times is tough. I mean, nobody, nobody, I mean, maybe back in the days of Hearst, right? They made a lot of money, but those days are long, long, long gone. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's imperative. I think that people really support those outlets that they really, that they value. Because you can't, don't take them for granted. That's what I'm saying. Don't take them for granted. And, and honestly, the big folks, you all who um, are now charging the big names in the fourth estate, part, a lot of this is their fault. Because when, when the internet broke through, they decided to give away their product for free. And it devalued um, the profession. Uh, salaries got less, um, jobs went away, people were forced to create their own media. I mean, and, and now anybody's a journalist. Some of us, went, I went to school, I have a degree in journalism. But what does that mean today? Because, you know, everybody's kind of forced to do their own thing. And then one other point I want to make in terms of the way outreach is made, we don't control any algorithms either. So you can do your very best in terms of putting some information out there. But if Elon Musk decides that nobody's going to see Daily Coast's tweets or make it planes or someone else's, and I'm not saying he's literally sitting in his office. Well, I think he has done that a couple of times, sitting in his office. Yeah. But, 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 but the, the algorithms themselves, even before he got there, uh, were discriminatory. And even the social media companies, um, they're looking for some money now. So what they do is they'll they'll say, well, we're going to let this be posted and be viewed so many times this time. And then when you notice, you all try this at home, post something, everybody sees it. Post something else again in a few days. Look at how the number goes down. You wonder, why is my number going down? I need I had to want the big numbers out here. The number's going down because they want to incentivize you to pay to boost the post. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so none. And it, it, I'm not talking about it. Just happens all. Just do it for yourself. Try it out. You'll see what happens. Uh, something I posted today might get thousand views. Post something tomorrow, three hundred. I'm wondering, is it me? <laughs> you know, and and but it's not. It's, it's so all of these things uh, uh, have an impact. And again, it's unfortunate because those of us who have built our careers and our professions and our degrees and our education, uh, journalism uh, is a profession. It, it's it literally is. I mean, it, there's a there's an there's an art and a science to it uh, that that'd be like, you know, someone devaluing those who are engineers. Uh, I mean, you just can't you just can't do that. So it, it's in a bad place. So we all out here hustling, but hustling, I think, for a good cause, because we want to share with our audiences real and true information because we're touched. We're moved by the other side's falsehood. We live in a post and I've been sharing this with other guests who write books, Marcos, and I've, I've shared with you before. When Obama got elected, uh, uh, post-racial. No, we're dealing, we're not dealing in a post-racial environment. We're dealing in a post-factual environment. Mm -hmm. Post-truth. Post-truth. And so people can say things 
and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you can just say it, and it, it, whether it's true or not, doesn't have to be true. And it gets traction because the other side is mobilizing the traction. They're not afraid of promoting dishonesty anymore and people believing in their own truths. And, you know, I, I declassified the documents. No, you didn't. Yeah. You know, Marcos <laughs> is not sitting here right next to me today. But you can see him right there. But if I go on Fox and say Marcos didn't sit next to me, there was some people, yeah, that wasn't really Marcos. Marcos wasn't sitting next to me. So, I mean, that's the, that's the, un- the unfortunate space that we're in. So, uh, and, and Marcos is talking about me offline. I uh, appreciate his sensitivity to those of being affected by this. Of course, he would be. That's the kind of person he is. That's what Daily Coast is. Uh, but uh, what can you do? Yeah, I'm going to... Mark, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you this link, and maybe you can share it with your crew. And I think you'll enjoy it too. It's, it's uh, by Cory Doctorow, who's an author and um, technologist, and uh, he wrote a post called "The Shitification of TikTok," I believe. And basically, he goes through how every social media out, you know, every social media outlet becomes starts off open, you know, so everybody can participate. And you're following people. And so you're on Facebook. The things you follow is what you see. And or in Instagram, you follow people and you get who you follow. And eventually these social media outlets, inevitably, every single one of them realizes that there's not enough money to be made into it. So they got to start putting stuff into that feed. Okay, so at first, maybe it's ads, whatever. Nobody you're used to ads. Ads are everywhere. But then they realize that's not good enough. So they start messing with, like you were talking about, the algorithm. And in fact, Elon Musk just did it with Twitter, where people are not seeing the accounts they're following. They're seeing what Twitter thinks you should be looking at. And it's random shit. And so you're having progressives that have all this right-wing bullshit, right? I sincerely doubt that the conservatives are seeing my post and yours showing up on their feed. Uh, This is Elon Musk we're talking about. But they all do it. And, and Instagram's the same way. I, 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 Instagram was my way to see pictures from my friends and family. And, and now I get all sorts of crap and video. Like, I don't want this crap. I want to see my friends and my family. Is that too hard? They can't do that. And so it basically what happens is people start getting frustrated. They tap out. The numbers go south. They get more desperate and they get more aggressive and miss messing with the algorithm. And they become shit. Like that's, and it's actually now happening with, uh, with uh, TikTok. Where they claim, I mean, they they are artificially boosting, you know, this just came out, certain accounts to make it seem that anybody can get a lot of viewers and, you know, and, and, and uh, followers on TikTok when it's all being gamed to create this idea. And, and the, what Corey does is he compares it to the carnival where they let one person win the big teddy bear in, you know, in one of those games. And the game, the carny games are all rigged. You're not going to win the big teddy bear, but they let one person win it. So that person walks around with this big ass teddy bear, lets everybody else think that they also can win that teddy bear. And that's what all these social media um, uh, outlets do. And it's what TikTok is doing now. And so inevitably, and I got to say, Facebook really screwed a lot of media outlets. They claimed that that video was, was a pivot to video was a way to make lots of money. A lot of media outlets spent a lot of money shifting. They fired print reporters. They hired video people. They spent a lot of money shifting over. And then, uh, and then it turns out that it was all a lie. Like the, the numbers were literally completely cooked. A lot of organizations went out of business before, you know, because of that. Uh, I remember at one point, Daily Coast was getting, you know, 30 million uh, 
page views a month from Facebook because people would share. This was back in the mid-teens, uh, early teens. And um, they would share Daily Coast material and because people were sharing the stuff that they were interested in. And then Facebook decided that, no, they, they literally overnight, they cut that off after, I believe, the 2012 election. I believe it's when they cut it out. It might have been the 16. I don't remember exactly right now. But they just cut it off. Like that disappeared. Poof. Went, went away overnight. Now it was low, it was low quality traffic, didn't generate a lot of extra page views or revenue. So it didn't hurt the business that much, but it actually dramatically reduced our ability to reach people. And that was on purpose, right? Facebook decided that either you pay for that or you're somebody or some conservative people have figured out how to game it. Like we're not we're not gonna sit there and and game stuff unethically. And and so it's it's all these challenges, and when everybody's attention is being sucked up by the social media outlets right now, it's TikTok. It's the only one that's still growing. When it's hard to break through, when when you can't unless you pay, and even if you pay, you don't even know if it's real. Like you don't you don't know what they're sending you. You don't know if the numbers are real. I look at some of those TikTok view numbers. I think they're BS. Like they don't, you know, I I don't I don't buy it. So I think we're going to find out, you know, just remember this in a year when the big scandal comes out, when, when TikTok was making up its numbers to get people to shift from Instagram, to shift from Facebook to TikTok, because that's where the audience is. And I bet we're going to find out that the audience was all made up and didn't really exist. So it's, it's a tough market out there. Navigating is tough. Um, I'm, a, I'm a printed word guy. Mark, you know, I got my podcast. I enjoy doing it. But in the end, I'm, I'm a writer and I love printed word. And and it's a tough business right now, but we got to make it work. And and the good thing is that we do have a core audience that's incredibly committed and activist, and they're going to make the phone calls, and they're going to walk precincts, and they're going to knock on doors, and they're going to do the hard work it takes to to win elections. And that, in the end, is really what excites me and motivates me, and and it's worth fighting for. So, right, and, and just and and I know we we spend a lot of time on this. This is one of the things I want to share. It can always feel a duty. What Marcos described in terms of what's happening in the media, it also happens to us as individuals. That's the other point. And sometimes when I talk to young people, and you know, our young people are dealing with a lot of emotional issues now and 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 traumas and everything. They're young people. I'm saying this to all of you have young people in your life who are impacted by social media and don't know what we just shared. I spoke to a group of young people, and some of them, you know, were going through things because they didn't feel like, you know, and my own children been in there. Not enough people, nobody likes my posts. And they internalize it and, and it affects their self-worth. I explained and they look like they just couldn't, they just couldn't believe what I was saying when I said it. I said, y'all, you realize people not seeing your posts and not liking your posts isn't a reflection of you. There's an algorithm that decides it. Mm-hmm. People you want to like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. People you want to like it may not have actually seen it. It may not have mm-hmm. shown it. So you can't, you know, determine your own self-worth and self-esteem based upon how many people look and like and what you post. Okay, so I'm just saying, folks, we, we're in this space now. It's, it's a troubling one. It's a dangerous one. Something's going to happen. Hopefully one day the, the bubble will just stop and we won't be so dependent and we'll go back to... Because at one time in our uh, human evolution, we, we made it without Facebook. We, we were doing all right. You know, it was, you know, we, some, you know stuff wasn't all bad. I mean, you know, that's not... These things are not the ticket to, to, to freedom and truth and righteousness and salvation. Uh, so, you know, we just got to, you know, be sober. That maybe, and I think, I, just, I have a feeling one day we'll get back to people appreciating what real work um, and real journalism is. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, a couple of things I do want to touch on, though, in the political world. First, briefly, one, um, this issue with uh, the debt ceiling. Why? Well, it, it takes me back to a, a phrase or a term in our vocabulary that you coined, American Taliban. What is the point? It's, <clears throat> it's like, and, and these people run for office. Your tax dollars are paying for McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene and these other folks, Matt Getz. That's a whole nother thing. There was a thread on him. I don't know if you saw it. Good God. Uh, on Twitter just the other night that, I mean, it was just, you know. Um, That's like every night. <laughs> no, this was, was, no what, what, I mean, this is, these are just allegations, folks. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I would I'd be careful about that. I'd yeah, be yeah, not, you know, not staff. I mean, but that stuff is out there. Okay, so. The, your tax, you elect them, your tax dollars pay for them. Who do you hire for a job and pay them for a job? And their goal and existence is to not function in the job and prevent the institution. So let's say Marcos hires somebody to work for da Daily Coast. We, we, you know, we pay him a salary. And every day, his job is to make sure Daily Coast doesn't do anything and doesn't function. And actually erodes and dissolves. That's what they're doing. They literally yeah. run on the, we're going to break the thing that doesn't, right. we don't think even works and hire us to break it even more. And you know, Mark, you know the reason why, because, because they think they've convinced those yokels, those deplorables, that government is giving your people and my people free stuff, right? It's the blacks and the, and the Latinos that are getting all the free stuff. And therefore, yeah, let's go. We hate those people. Go break it. We, we don't want, we don't want those people to get free stuff anymore. I mean, the reality, of course, is that we're subsidizing their rural communities. They wouldn't last a second without us. But that's that's their big grift. That's what they've convinced them. And and they've raised and it's it's racism and bigotry and xenophobia and anti-Semitism and all those isms that they're using to get to get to get people to vote um, to vote the way they do. And you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, they've been convinced to vote against their own interests. I actually think a lot liberals vote against their own interests. If you think, you know, it always depends on what you define it. If your own interest is to pay less in taxes, then yeah, I'm voting against my own interests because I'm happily paying for, for more taxes. But um, so interest is always kind of a sketchy, but they're definitely using racism and bigotry and the fact that those communities are economically distressed and abandoned. They're using that to 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 basically hoodwink these people into voting the way they do. Instead of saying like, "Let's get government to actually help you and and get this community out of its out of its condition," they're electing people that are actually making the situation worse, which then just feeds into that vicious cycle where then they can even say, "Uh huh, see, government doesn't work for you. Keep hiring Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, and uh, people like her." So, 
um, and it's even to the point where where they're they're what they're advocating really is is Putin style politics, right? They're they're anti democracy, and of course we've seen it. Nothing New York shocking about that. Most of most of the Republicans in the House voted against certification of the twenty twenty election. So these are these have become an incredibly dangerous um, force in our in our politics and a threat to our democracy, and it's all predicated on that bed of, of racism and bigotry. No, it, that, that's right. So, folks, keep that in mind. I mean, they, you know, people being elected to positions, they're there to sabotage, saboteurism, all of that. Um, I thought about you uh, when the notifications were coming through the other night that the United States is sending tanks. I think Germany is sending some equipment. Um, what are your thoughts about that? And what's taken so long to Ukraine? What's taken so long? There's it. Oh, man, there's so many layers to this. Uh, lots of things have taken so long. Um, one of the factors in, in this whole tank debate, uh, Ukraine asked for Western tanks a year ago. So it's taken about a year for this. Not quite. It was 10 months ago, but it's taken a while to get there. And there's 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 two major factors. One of them is political. Is this idea that that this would be a skeleton, you know, it would escalate the conflict. And it's taken this long for the West to finally realize that Russia's murdering hundreds of, of Ukrainians every single day. There's there's no more escalation. How can you escalate when they're literally sending massive rockets into apartment buildings to kill people for no other reason than a temper tantrum? And I'm not that's not even partisan. It's literally literally what they're trying to trying to to make life so miserable for Ukrainian citizens that they surrender just to stop the misery because they can't win on a military battlefield. Their, their military is a piece of crap and uh, they can't win militarily. So they're trying to, it's a temper tantrum. It's a, it's a Putin temper tantrum. So that's a big part of it. But the probably the bigger part and the one that people really don't want to talk about, the supporters of Ukraine, and, and because it's, it's not convenient, is that logistically it's hard a a tank is required you know i i think we talked about this really early on my unit i was i was rocket artillery that was mlrs which has been a big game changer in ukraine so my mlrs unit what had nine launchers in those nine launchers you had a crew of three in each one so you had 27 people that actually pressed a button that fired something to support those 27 people our unit, our battery was 300 soldiers. So it is incredible. It's, it's fuel, it's ammo, it's medics, it's parts and supplies, it's the armory, it's maintenance, it's uh, chemical, nuclear, biological warfare people, uh, it's uh, reconnaissance, it's what I did, which was command and control, fire. Like, there is so much that goes into supporting a unit and a tank is the most logistically heavy, difficult part of any of any um, uh, of any land force. I mean, aircraft and navy ships obviously are another level, right? But in a land force, the tank is the most logistically uh, heavy. An Abrams tank, the American tank, it gets three gallons per mile, not three miles per gallon, which would be horrendous enough. Three gallons per mile. That's how much gas a M1 Abrams uses. Now, imagine trying to move this tank. And here's the funny thing. It uses that gas whether it's moving or not. So you can't even idle it. It is the second you, and it's a, it's a jet turbine engine. The second you crank that sucker up, 
it is burning it's burning you know a gallon every couple you know a minute or or two and so you need massive uh supply of of uh of gas and it's it uses it's a jet turbine so while you can use diesel in it it's not a, it's even less efficient if you're using diesel you actually need to use a kind of jet fuel so now you have a different kind of fuel in the battlefield then you have an engine that literally will break down every couple hundred miles and you can't just go in there and, and change up some parts, right? You literally have to pull out the engine to be able to make repairs to it. Now, where do you do that in, in, in Ukraine? Because those facilities don't, do not exist. And in fact, there are no NATO armies that use the M1 Abrams, right? So there's, there's some facilities that the U.S. Army uses in Germany, but they, you know, they were shut down a decade ago when the U.S. essentially pulled out, right? So now you got to create that logistical chain. The tank maintenance, you need somebody who can work on the engine. You need somebody who can work on the optics, the, the, you know, the, 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 what they use to, to, um, to target you know, laser designators, things like that. Uh, people think, oh, it's anybody can learn how to drive and shoot a tank. Yeah, yeah, that's the easy part. That's the easy part. The mechanic school for an M1 Abrams in the U.S. Army is six months, and that's just the initial training. Then you go to your unit and you spend years mastering the craft with people who already have years of their own experience teaching you how to do stuff. Ukraine has none of that. Nobody knows how to use that. And you can't send American forces into Ukraine to help them with that. So these are all things that take, literally take years to implement. Now, Ukraine already has <laughs> dozens of different weapon systems to have to maintain and to sustain, which means to supply, repair, uh, maintain. And uh, it's, it was every, every sort of addition, every new weapon system, there's a, there's a ramp up period. So the U.S. was saying, you know what, we don't want to send them once because they're literally the most incredibly, incredibly difficult thing to maintain. Germany said, well, we're not going to send Leopard tanks, which is the European standard, and it's what most European armies use. Germany said, we're not going to send Leopards unless the U.S. sends sends uh, Abrams. So finally, you said, all right, fine, we'll send Abrams. Now, nobody's expecting them to show up, at least for the next year. But once the U.S. said, we're going to send Abrams, then Germany, for whatever, lots of reasons we don't need to get into, it's complicated, but Germany said, all right, let's, let's open, we'll, we'll send some uh, Leopards. And so it looks like Ukraine's going to get, you know, maybe 100 Leopard tanks, which is going to be great. Not as game-changing, though, as people think it is. What's game-changing is that the U.S. is sending uh, Bradley, which are infantry fighting vehicles. They're sending over a thousand infantry fighting vehicles. Uh, and that's going to allow the sort of massed armor that they need to punch through Russian defenses. Right now, the, the battlefield is, is, is trench warfare. There's, there's nobody's moving vast distances. And Ukraine doesn't have the armor and firepower to punch through those lines right now. And that's what this will give them. And hopefully by March and April, we're going to see some real movement again on the battlefield. Everything Marco's just described, folks, in terms of you know, the difficulty, the challenges. I mean, you just can't pick up and be in a war. That's something to like. But everything he described that Ukraine is dealing with, Russia is dealing with the same thing, which makes it even more ridiculous. And they're probably less organized. Oh, even worse, because they're under sanction. They can't, they don't have the supplies yeah. to build the stuff. Uh, and this is what I like about the M1. It's not that it's going to have immediate battlefield impact, because it won't. What it does is it signals to Putin that the West is not losing interest in supporting Ukraine. And that while Russia's military is getting degraded by the day and they're running out of armor, 
they're doing these like bonsai attacks. It's it's crazy. It's it's just mass infantry, no armor support, no artillery. They're just getting massacred on fields. Like they're doing these these uh, mass infantry attacks. It's it's gruesome. The videos are gruesome. Um, while they're running out of armor, Ukraine is only going to get better over the next year, and that's a signal to hopefully to Putin, if not Putin, maybe his military or some of these oligarchs that maybe it's time to cut their losses because things aren't going to get better. The West is not losing interest and Ukraine's only going to get stronger. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Folks, again, again, back to our original point, and then I'll let y'all go for the day. Um, the value of Daily Coast with its daily in-depth coverage of what's been going on in the Ukraine from people like Marcos who have military experience, that's, that, that, that's invaluable. Um, and so, you know, he's trying to hang on and Daily Coast trying to hang on. And unfortunately, things have to happen to remain in business, but it's providing a much needed service that we aren't getting elsewhere. And, you know, with the shrinking uh, media objective and credible media environment that we're in, it's 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 all that more valuable so folks uh keep that in mind dailycoast.com thank you so much mark thanks as always buddy no appreciate you too thank you man thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain as always perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand and above all Give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.